all for tuning in. This is Iman and Selena. Together we make you plus happy. Each week we bring you someone who challenges us to define success and happiness on our own terms with a dose of laughter. Remember to like and subscribe to the You Plus Happy podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at you plus happy. Hi, Iman. Hey, Selena. How are you? Bueno. And you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. What happened this week? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Lots happened this week. No. Um, but I had like a, so I started a new role, as you know. Ooh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Which is exciting, but it's a steep learning curve. So I'm trying to, I guess, learn as quick as possible so that I can actually add value to the role. But um, that wasn't what I wanted to share. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, but within like the hustle bustle of the week, I got my delivery months later of a hammock. So I have a hammock in my backyard and I'm super excited about it. So I laid out like on my lunch break because I'm working from home like part of the week. So I laid out in my hammock on my lunch break and just read a book and like ate out there and it was so relaxing and I was so happy in that moment. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try and do this more. Um, And I just got re-energized just being out there and feeling like I was on a mini vacation for a moment. That is so cool, but what did that have to do with your new role? Well, (laughs) so it was my break because I was like trying to wrap my head around like all these new processes and like it was a bit stressful Mm. slash exciting. So I was really happy when the delivery guy came and was like, here's your hammock. And I like set it up and I don't know. It didn't really have much to do with that other than it made me happy and I had a break. (laughs) That's so cool. Yes. (laughs) What about you? What happened this week for you? That made me think about something that's very similar. I didn't have a hammock, (laughs) y'all, but um, I was busy and um, there was, I had like an hour window, but I didn't have time to come home. So I um, I was running errands, and whatever. I had to do some stuff, but I had an hour, but I was in a neighborhood. I didn't know. So I went to this market I had never been to, and I got a shrimp wrap. And then I got a big piece of vanilla cake. And then I had my book, I'm reading a novel. I, have, I was talking to someone else. I haven't read novels in years. Like I just started when we had Alicia on the show. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, the uh, founder of Mind Your Health. Go watch her episode, y'all. Mm-hmm. Listen to her episode. But um, that was the catalyst to start reading novels. So it was like 40 minutes and I'm just sitting there eating this shrimp wrap, eating my cake, reading this book. And it was amazing. And it was sunny mm-hmm. outside. And I was decided not to feel guilty about the cake. I was like, I love cake. If I have a little extra little cellulite or roll, I'm going to have it because I'm not going to stop eating cake, boo-boo. So I've just decided to stop having guilt when eating cake. <laughs> it's all about balance. So you know? just like guilt-free eating and like, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. But then I went to Zumba, so it was okay. 
<laughs> balance, of course. Um, I love it. Yeah, it was amazing. And like, mm-hmm. and then I got lost in that world of the novel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, I looked up. I was like, oh, oh, I'm in my life. <laughs> yeah, it makes such a big difference having those little breaks in the day. Yes, and I think the book took it over the top. Mm-hmm. Girl, yes. So who do we have on the show this week? We have Clinton, who is a Texas native entrepreneur and artist. He went from cutting his neighborhood friend's hair to styling some of the most elite clients on the East Coast. He is now the owner of Magnum Opus Salon and has over 25 years of experience in the industry. You can check out his work by going to Magnum Opus salon.com and without further ado hey hey how y'all doing good how are you you? amazing doing great this is iman my friend and co-host hello there i've heard beautiful things about you very nice to meet you (laughs) thank you nice to meet you too and this is Quinn. I see the colors popping. Like girls, they are. It is popping. Oh, thanks, y'all. It's all to you. I like the um artwork in the back. You do. That's cool. That's mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Are there they're paintings, right? Yeah, I paint. It's one of my one of my passions. Okay. Love it. All right. Well, we can hop in. Is that cool? Yeah. We'll hop in. All right. So how did you get started? Very interesting question. So I'm pretty much the same age as hip hop. And when I was a kid, my dad was actually going bald. And he didn't like to go to the barber as much as I wanted to get my hair cut because, you know, I wanted to stay fly. And he bought a pair of clippers. So I started practicing on my own hair. And it was real interesting because the first time I cut my hair, I had a big old plug in the side. I remember picking up the hair off the ground and like poking it in there, patting it in, hoping that nobody would be able to see it. And surprisingly, I made it through the whole day and nobody said anything. And being the age that I am, I'm also part of the Jonah era. And for those who don't know that, it's like the era of like the yo mama jokes. So our favorite thing to do was sitting on the back of the bus and and just roast, I mean, the you know what out of each other. So I just had this fear that they're gonna see this plug in my head and they're gonna say something. However, I made it through the whole day when nothing, nobody said anything. So that gave me a little room to kind of practice. And I kind of got, and I think because of that pressure, I got really good at cutting my own hair quick. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a little bit. My best friend, brother, was that guy. Him and his friends had a little dance crew. They were so good that if they were around now, they could be on that show so you think you could dance, you mm-hmm. know? And at our skating rink, we had a talent contest and they would always win. And because my best friend, Patrick, that was his brother, we had, a, they were the fellas, we were the little fellas. So we had our own little dance crew and we would always enter and people would like clap for us and, and whatnot. Because, not because we were good, but because we were Patrick's uh, big brother's right. little brother crew, you know? Yeah. But I'm a kid, I don't know this, right? 
So Patrick, man, he like a drill sergeant. Man, we got to win this talent show. We got our outfits right. We got our, um, we had our hats. We went to the mall, got our little shirts, you know, ironed on with our names on it, like the little kiosk that used to be in the middle of the mall. Mm-hmm. And I cut everybody's hair. And this is when Michael Jordan, the first pair of Jordans, I don't know if you know this, but the first pair of Jordans had the wings on it. The second pair of Jordans and third pair of Jordans specifically had the Jumpman. So this is when the Jumpman first came out. So I cut the Jumpman in the back of my best friend Patrick's hair, my other friend Patrick's hair, and on the side of mine. And that summer, that song by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock was out. I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. It takes two and, and we were about like 15 in the show and nobody had used the song yet, which I could not believe. And what I didn't know that we did better than we actually danced was we created a perfect aesthetic. We had the right outfit. We had our little Jordans on. We had the right haircuts. We won a talent show that time. And ever since then, like I, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in Houston. So the way you make your sneaker money when you're a kid like me is you cut grass. And in Houston, Texas, cutting grass has to be the worst job in the world. I mean, it, it, you try to get out early in the morning, it's 90 degrees by like nine o'clock in the morning. And you out there trying to cut grass so you can buy a couple pairs of sneakers. Well, after the talent show, all the kids in the neighborhood were lined up in my garage waiting, on, waiting to get their hair cut because I cut the designs in the head. And they, they heard about it from the skating rink on the weekend. And that was when I first fell in love with, with my craft, with my industry, actually being a hairdresser. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd you get to, wait, all I keep thinking about, side note, is that when you did the uh, the Jordan in their hair, that you did Jordan in that little patch you messed up in yours. You're <laughs> 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 like, oh, wait a minute, let me... <laughs> I'm gonna just turn this into, 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 into the little Jordan. Uh, yeah. uh, that's what so, I kept thinking about when you said you. So did we, were, that. we were we were many months beyond the patches. Like when I was when I was yeah, uh, plugging yeah, yeah. myself. I figured by the time we got mind. to the Jordan thing. In my mind, that's how it went. Um, but how did you start doing women's hair? Very good question. So when I was in high school, I played sports. I played basketball, football, and I ran track. And my sophomore year of high school, I cut my Achilles tendon and I couldn't play sports anymore. And I had a very interesting relationship with the school that I went to because the teachers or the people who really didn't know me well at the school, they knew me as the guy who cut all that distracting crap in everybody's hair. And I'm gonna give give you another hip hop story. So Two Live Crew had just like went to court for the whole parental advisory label thing. Yeah. And like, kind of like, like really amplified the first amendment. And I moved to San Antonio. I'm living in San Antonio, Texas is very conservative. And I started cutting my friend's hair there. And there's this one guy we call Playboy. And we called him Playboy because he always made a play on the football team. And like, I would cut his nickname in the back of his head. Well, I don't know if you remember like on the back of those uh, flaps on the back of the trucks, but they used to have the girl kind of sitting back, mm-hmm. uh, like the little metal sign. Mm-hmm. I cut that in the back of his head to kind of symbolize Playboy. And they wanted to expel him from school for having pornographic material 
in his haircut because it's conservative, right? First yeah. of all, we I didn't know what the word pornographic meant at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 basically we told him, look, look, you can't do that because they didn't have anything in the handbook that said you couldn't have designs in the head because it was hip hop, it was new. That wasn't something they had to put in the handbook before that. And they were violating his First Amendment freedom of speech rights. And so guess what? He didn't have to cut his hair. So the counselor kind of knew me from that story. And she's like, okay, he might be like a little troublemaker. Long story short, um, since I couldn't play sports, uh, she asked me, what did I want to do? And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to college because I don't want to sit at a desk all day. It's kind of boring. Mm -hmm. And I said, since I'm not going to the NFL now, I think I'm going to be a back backup dancer for Big Daddy Kane when I finished, you know, school. So that was, that was, that was my aspirations at the time, you know? Hopes and dreams. Yeah. So she's shaking her head. She's like, I'm gonna put you in cosmetology. And I was like, Cosmo, what? Another word I don't know what it meant at the time. And she said, you can get your license to cut hair because they had a vocational wing at the high school that I went to. Mm -hmm. So I said, bet, sign me up. I was going to do that anyway. <clears throat> I get in the class. It looks like Game of Thrones in there. They have like heads on spikes. Cause you and they like practicing rolling the hair for the old ladies that come to the beauty schools to get their hair done. Mm -hmm. And I never did hair like that. And for me, if you know anything about like the girls who like get into cosmetology, they're like the ones that like fashion, that like makeup. So I'm the only guy in the room with about 23 cute girls. It ain't no way I'm leaving this room. So I'm like, okay, I'm about to figure out how to make this work. And, and you should have seen me trying to curl hair. It was it was terrible because I used to just work with clippers. So I don't know what happened. Like, I, uh, I think it's from playing sports so long. I just got mad competitive. I wasn't going to just, like, let the girls be better than me, mm -hmm. you know? So I literally started trying and putting in forth the effort to, like, learn how to do it. And it, I, I fell in love with the process. And I got good at it. And I mean, I won every award that they had uh, for, for like students that they had at the school. And I just never looked back. I, I, knew, I, I knew exactly what I was gonna do at that point. I love it. And it sounds like, like the theme that I keep hearing is you're like, okay, this, like when you weren't able to go and get your hair cut as much as you want it, you're like, all right, I'm just gonna figure it out. Right. Um, and it sounds like there's this underlining theme of like, okay, if things aren't working out, like I'm gonna just figure it out. And like, so that's I'm a lot of confidence to have it. You said you were like 15, 14. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something that my mother did to me when I was a kid. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I'm talking like six or seven. Whenever uh, I used to always say, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, like, won't you do this? I'm like, mom, I can't do that. And she, anytime I said, I can't, she used to make me say, I think I can five times. Mm -hmm. And I think the way my brain was working at that time, I think I was probably like undiagnosed ADD, you know? So, so you know, I just used to get mentally distracted. And sometimes I get thrown off course. And I think what happened was when I would sit there and, and do what my mom said, that I think I can, I think I can. It allowed me to refocus. And then I started getting success in things. But man, I just grew up with a lot of love, man. My parents had me thinking I could have done anything, like for real. Like I really grew up, like like my mom, like mom, you think I can do anything? Oh baby, you can do anything. And I'm like, my mom said I could do anything. So I guess I could do anything. <laughs> like that seriously worked on me. 
Yeah. I don't think a lot of uh, parents encourage their kids that way. They'll like project their limitations onto their child. Like, mm-hmm. and so they, they might sway them in a different way, but it sounds like that was a different, um, you had a different scenario that like framed your mind or your perception. Very much so. Very it sounds much. Like. Um, I know we talked before and you were telling me, so Clinton owns, um magnum opus salon right but yes, this sir. is not your first salon you had another one in atlanta right I did. And, and then you were telling me tell me if i'm saying too much but you were telling me how you know um the recession hit and then you you had to rebuild and then when uh the pandemic hit you knew how to keep yourself going and not you know what i mean and i thought that was a um that's a huge challenge, but also I thought that was a really good lesson. Like you learned from the first time and I'm not trying to say what has been your biggest challenge to tell you what it was, but that really spoke to me. Um, Cause I think a lot of people let the pandemic knock them out and just gave up or um, just stop. And from what you were explaining to me when we spoke is, you know, you had already learned that lesson from the, uh, from the, from 08 recession. So can yeah. you can you expound on that a bit if you feel like talking about it? One hundred percent. And I think that uh, like you're very perceptive. The fact that you picked on up on that is, is amazing because I feel like sometimes people will have an opportunity to talk to like Oprah Winfrey, <clears throat> and then Oprah will they'll say, "Hey Oprah, how'd you do it?" Right? Mm-hmm. And Oprah will be like, "I'm gonna tell you exactly how I did it," and she'll just sit down and say like hard work and determination. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you're right. I actually, and I, I do it now, like I'm tell anybody who watches this, this is a real life important lesson that I learned. And if you are in this situation, this is something that you can really apply to real life. So that's my intro to going down that road, dropping some serious gems right now. But <clears throat> When I owned my own business, I started it when I was 22. It was called the Jones's Hair Studio. And I was in Buckhead area of Atlanta. And it's really interesting, man. When you're 22, you're not scared of nothing. I went to the highest rent area, to the most bougie part of the city, opened my business up, and I didn't even flinch. I didn't even have enough sense to be scared, you know? Mm-hmm. And guess what? I hit the ground running. You know, and I'm talking, this is before the internet. You have to like go hand out flyers on cars and 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 put stuff on people's houses. You gotta like get the telephone numbers and call people in your neighborhood. That's like that was what marketing was like back then. And and I would just do it. My best friend helped me. You know, my mom came down and helped me because I couldn't afford to hire anybody. And I just assumed the people I love was gonna help me, and they did. Why I have no idea, but that's how it happened. And this is what happens when you're doing good. You don't want nothing to change. And guess what? The only thing that you can count on in life is things changing. <laughs> so, so like they pulled the rug from the, under my feet. We were hit with the recession in Atlanta and everything changed. Everything changed fast too, overnight. And I was so resistant to making any adjustments because after all, I came up with the magic formula. I, I, I did A, I did B, I did C, and it was working beautifully. So why would I try to change anything? In fact, I'm trying to change the world to come back around to me. 
And guess what? The world just wasn't doing that for me. <laughs> and here I am just fighting and fighting. And I felt like I was George Foreman in the match against Muhammad Ali when he did the rope dope you know? I'm just swinging my arms, punching at the recession, and I'm just swinging until I got tired. And anybody who's been in business long knows what it feels like to be fried, to be a crispy critter. That's what my dad calls it. Because <laughs> business will wear you out emotionally, physically, and in every way possible. And I was there. And it started in about 2005. And this is all the way to 2009. And I'm still just swinging. I'm tired. And one thing that I learned about myself that I didn't know back then that I know now from going through that experience is what actually made me so tired. What made me so tired is not knowing how long it was going to last. Mm -hmm. If you would have told me, Clint, this was going to last five years, two months, three days, you know, 16 hours and 17 seconds, I would have been fine. Now, if you went 18, 19, 20 seconds over, it would have been a problem. But you have an expectation, right? So I'm waking up every morning and I have no idea how long I'm gonna be fighting this fight. And this fight is turning into what felt like then my reality. I made it my reality. And I just gave up. I, I, I fought as long as I could. And then I decided, okay, I fought the good fight. It's time to throw in the towel. And for the way that I was fighting, it really was. I did all I could do doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Long story short, you know, hindsight is 2020. So here I find myself in this reset in, in this pandemic, which progressed even faster than the recession did, to the point where they shut us down for two months. And, and in other places, you know, in California and New York, salons were closed for six months, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I had to, in my business again, I hit the ground running. Things are going good here. And I'm building, building, building. And then bam, we go to zero. And now we got to start all over is what it feels like. But I don't even like using the word start all over. I don't think about the past. I don't think about the present. I try to do what I can do in that moment. Every single person that, that I touch, I try to make it a valuable experience. I try to do the best job on their hair. So maybe they'll tell their friend, maybe they'll tell another friend, maybe they'll write a little review, maybe that will give me some traction. And I put everything I can into that moment and I live moment for moment. And then at the end of the week, I, I go and look and see how we did. And then I figure out if I need to make up some for the next week or the next week, whatever I gotta do, I put it on my goals for the next week, but I don't look at it until the end of the week so I can be in every single moment. Because I know if I start thinking about oh, how long this is going to last, I start getting anxiety and, and it starts to mess with me. So learning yourself is very important when you're in business and learning how to, um, how to even calm yourself down when you know you're going to get anxious because it's a marathon and not a sprint. And uh, as I'm listening to myself tell this story, I, I, I know some people are not going to know what I'm talking about until they experience it for themselves. Mm -hmm. But if somebody can just trust what I'm saying on this and understand that no matter how hard it gets, sometimes you got to let go of, you can't be that person. Oh man, we were doing, we were doing 10,000 a day. 
you know? And now look at us, you can't live in the past. You can't be like, man, our trajectory, we, we was on our way to doing 10,000 or a million or whatever your goal is, you know, on this day. But now we here, you can't do that. You got to look at what's happening today. And then guess what? You got to be grateful because you didn't have to have that. And then you got to like, and I think that that, that kind of positive energy is what really helps you build. Because when you're anxious, when you have something in your hand, but I'm going to just kind of put it to like, to the universe of energy and sowing and reaping or whatever, however you want to look at it. But when you when, when, when you being fed right now and all you can think about is the next meal, you're tainting the meal that you're about to have right at that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and sometimes you're like, oh, but this ain't enough. How do you know? You know, as far as I know, we always, we overeating over here. You know what I'm saying? We don't even need all that food. So, but, but I hope, I, I hope I, I hope I told that in a way that people could, could really get that because that was a real big difference maker for me this time around, just to stay in the moment. And because I was so calm headed, I wasn't making decisions out of desperation and panicking. Mm. And, and that was the real big difference for my business this time around. I love that. Um, well, I love so much of what you just said, yeah. but um, I really love the, how, the whole idea of living in the present because I think that's so, like, it's easy to say, but it's so hard to do because a lot of people are either stuck in the past or worried about the future. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you were able to kind of make that shift and be like, look, what can I do today? This is all I, this is all that's really guaranteed is this moment right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did you... I don't even really know how to ask this. Like, how did you kind of retrain your mind to be like, look, I'm just focused on this moment? Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of like- no, 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 it does. And I think that, again, I'm about to say something that for me, I had to just get it on my own. At some point, you have to be willing to or even brave enough, I think is the best way to say it, to self-examine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> so I was in a failed marriage. And as a result, it was failing from like the beginning. It was failing before it started. But as a result, I spent a lot of time in therapy with my ex, you know, going to like marital counseling and stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually learned some good things. And one of the good things that I learned in that whole process, <laughs> interestingly enough, was how to not place blame, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if you're in a bad marriage, even if your only mistake was picking the wrong person, at least you can be accountable for that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and then you try to control the part that you can control, which is yourself. And if you've ever been in a bad relationship, all you're trying to do is get the other person to do what it is that you want them to do, right? <laughs> and then you will realize emphatically the only thing that you control is you. You don't even control your own kids, which is crazy to think about, you know? Like God gave us all like free will. And I mean, if you really want to wrap your head around that, it's really deep because the only person you can control is yourself. And I think I'm at a point in my life where I overstand that. So now <clears throat> I'm always looking at the part that I control. The parts that I don't control, 
guess what? I don't control. <laughs> so, so I think that having a, a very clear understanding that when you're dealing with a pandemic, there is nothing, there's only so much that I can literally do. A lot of what's happening is out of my control, but focusing on the part that I can do, putting 100% focus on what I can do versus losing 20% to figuring out what the government's going to do, focusing, losing another 20%, figuring out what my potential customers are going to do, focusing mm -hmm. another 20% on what my com competition is going to do. Well, that's 60% gone, and I only got 40% left to myself. So I try to use 100% of my focus on the person that I control, which is me. And that's my mindset. Yeah, I love it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all like soaking in. I'm just like, yeah. oh. That's why we get quiet for a long time. Like, gotcha, gotcha. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, resonate. Yeah. Yeah, um, we got. Like this man talking crazy over here. No, like, no. <laughs> and what I hear too is not getting lost and stuck in what could be, what should be. Um, and that and that, that sounds like for business and relationships and life in general, because you hear people who sit around like, yeah, when I was in high school, mm -hmm. I was going to go to the NFL. And then they keep, they harp on that and they get stuck mm -hmm. in it. Now they don't even work out. Like, yeah, I, well, I ain't going to the gym. Last time I was in the gym, they I was going to the NFL. years ago, though. <laughs> like, right. And not, and, 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 and then, and again, what you said too, tying it in together is like that blame part too. So you just like, say for, in my example of you were going to go to the NFL, well, you blamed your injury, not you, but just as somebody in general, right. you blamed right. your injury on everything and now you just threw away the rest of your life or you you didn't think okay that happened so what can I do now like what okay I got the injury I'm not going to NFL get over it like sorry it sucks your dream's over so now what's your next dream I know it's harsh but that's life instead of but what you're saying is like what I got from it is just not staying stuck on that like it, you do have to I'm not I didn't mean to be insensitive like I'm not saying don't mourn it don't mourn that loss Ooh. but mourn it and let's move on like, and so, stay in it yeah and, and you just you just nailed something that I think that is actually a skill that I learned was a skill mourning is a skill mm. and sometimes you do need to mourn a situation if something yeah. traumatic happens like if you if you legit think you're going to the to the league mm -hmm. you have an injury you guess what you need a minute yeah. you know but go but you know what be responsible take your minute and then get back to to to, to life you know Get yeah. back to what's next, you know. You need a minute, not an hour. Like, that, thank you, or, or a lifetime. Yeah, because you know that's just a waste. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I I didn't mean to sound that insensitive when I'm like, you no, know, I don't think it. that's insensitive at all. Yeah, but, I don't. Yeah, I but think, but yeah, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think too, just going off of that and like listening to your story, it sounds like you were really good in sports, but you also had these other skills. Like you were good at dancing, you were good at doing hair. So it wasn't like, this is all I am from what you said. It was like, you had these other skills that you harnessed and that you were like, I'm really good at these, which I think is really important for people to be like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about, but like, what else am I good at? So people who know me, every time they hear me say this, they like shaking their head. <laughs> feel like I'm good at nothing okay but the, but well, I take that back I'm good at one thing okay. I'm good at working hard mm -hmm. and I feel like 
whatever it is that I want to do, I will figure it out and I will outwork you, you know? And, and, and I think that like, I will say, I think some of that's in my DNA. Mm -hmm. I think I come from, you know, a long line of people who built this country for free <laughs> and, were, and, were, and were able to survive through the impossible. And that endurance is somehow woven into my DNA because I think I have a, 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 a ridiculous level of endurance for the things that I love. And I'm gonna tell you one of the things that made me discover what I'm telling you. Because um, before we got on, you were noticing some of the artwork on the wall and I told you that it was my artwork. Well, if you see my handwriting, my handwriting is horrible. My stick figures are horrible. One things that I did learn was I learned how I learn, like my learning style. And once I learned how I learned, I wanted to test it. So I tried to pick the most audacious thing that I could. I taught myself how to paint. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I absolutely felt like I could not do. I mean, I, I'm telling you, like, if I wrote your name out right now, you're like, it, it would be your name and you wouldn't recognize it. That's how bad my handwriting can be sometimes. But I taught myself how to paint. How did I do it? I painted every day for a year. And I paint three, sometimes four hours every night before I went to bed for a whole year until I got it down. And that's how I learned. I learned through trial, through repetition. I'm a tactile learner. And all my life, it's been that way. When I was a kid, I didn't naturally have rhythm, but I love music so bad. And I wanted to dance. And my cousins used to tease me, you know, all the time because we're from Texas. And I was, I was like a country boy. And they used to call me a goat roper because I couldn't dance. Yeah. Because, you know, like the you know, rodeo kid. I was like a little uh, rodeo kid. Yeah. You know, and, and, it used, and, and this is like when we watching like Michael Jackson do the moonwalk for the first time. Mm -hmm. The kid doesn't want to do that, right? So the kid with absolutely no rhythm, I mean, I would moonwalk for hours just trying to be able to do it, you know? And then uh, I would go to the skating rink. And the skating rink was, that was life for me when I was a kid. And like they had a skate part, but they had the dance part. That was the best. And nobody wanted to dance with me because I was all off rhythm and weird, you know? So I learned how to dance by just, you know, once they told me to like the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I was like, oh, snap, you can count. I, can count. <laughs> I learned how to dance. But I say all, all that to say that, and then I had the type of mother, I got to say this too. I had the type of mother that would look me in my eyes and be like, baby, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. And when a mother tells a son that, oh my goodness, I mean, I can do anything. I would literally figure out how to do anything that I wanted to do. And before you know it, it looks like I'm good at everything, but I, I honestly haven't been bad at anything that I've ever tried, you know? And mm -hmm. I think it's because, well, I'm not, I'm not daring enough to try things that I'm not passionate about, but as long as I'm passionate about it, oh man, I'm a, I'm a, I go from, I, I have like all gas, no brakes, zero to a hundred. <laughs> I'm just going to be obsessed until I get it down. Yeah. And I will say, um, 
I feel like I saw a little bit of that because when I, I was asking I was asking Clinton and stuff about hair and he started going into like the pores, <laughs> the pore acidities and all this, all this science stuff, like technical. <laughs> when people who don't do hair think about hair like myself, I don't think about the science behind it. I'm like, is this is this the right Carolina? Is this a shampoo? Like, I don't know. But he started going into like just all this technical stuff that I don't think people think about. And I was like, damn, he really like hair. So <laughs> it's just a testament to what you just explained of like, you really studied that craft um, to even remember that no other hair. And I've never even had a hairdresser start breaking down the science of it. And like, <laughs> when I was in class, they'd be like, yo, you memorized the book? I'm like, yeah, did you? They're like, no, I don't know none of this stuff. But that's, no, maybe I'm hardwired that way. Maybe that is one of those things that's kind of like in my DNA. But um, I remember uh, playing football, Little League football. <clears throat> I remember I was that kid who got the ball and ran the touchdown the wrong way, you know, the first time. And then by the end of the thing, I'm one of the best players on the team. And I think that it was more so hard work. And I never was the fastest, never was the strongest. I'm telling you, I just will outwork you, you know? And all I got to do is see it one time. If I see you do it, I mean, if you do it, there is there is nothing in this world that's telling me I can't do it. I just saw it done, then that means I can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I just firmly believe, I, I mean, don't, it, doesn't everybody believe that? No. They feel it. <laughs> <laughs> they should, but but it's interesting because I listen to um well Selena and I both, but we listen to like a lot of podcasts and like motivational speakers. And that's a theme that comes up all the time where it's like I'm not I may not be the best speaker, but I will outwork you. And I hear like Eric Thomas, I refer to him a lot. Yeah. He says that all the time. And I'm just like, it's so true. Like talent. Like you can be very talented, but if you don't have that work ethic and that endurance, like you said, mm-hmm. you're not going to get to that level. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of people miss is like, oh, I'm really good at this, but then they don't harness that craft. They're not up there spending four hours a day painting, you know, right. like it's like, oh, I'm really good painting, but I'm going to do it whenever I feel like it. So I love that. The biggest thing I got from Eric Thomas, who is somebody who I, I, I really liked, but mm-hmm. there's only one really good thing that I got from him, and it was exceptional. One. Yeah, because like some of his stuff is like kind of like that Oprah Winfrey thing, right? It's mm-hmm. just not detailed enough, like about how to do it. It's just like believing yourself. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? What is it? You know? Mm-hmm. And and I like, I can tell you when I started believing myself. It literally started from my mom telling me, you know what I'm saying? And and I and I wish a lot of well anyway, he said that like you have to know your why. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. So uh when I opened this business, one thing I learned about myself is, you know, I'm not as brave as I like to come off as I as as I as I like to come off. It's hard to say that even out loud, my goodness. Uh Yes, I'm not as brave as I like to come off sometimes. Before I opened the salon, I worked at Red Door Spa for eight years. And what I learned now is that I was hiding out there because it's nice getting a paycheck at the end of the week, you know? It's nice shutting the door, letting somebody else worry about all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. And, but that's not who I was meant to be. That's I, I got to say that too. But when I finally got a chance to open my own business, 
you know, fear can be an interesting thing. I, I felt like I controlled it as much as I could to try to, to use the good from it. But for a year and a half straight, I opened my salon seven days in a row. For a year and a half straight, I worked seven days in a row. But I was not going to fail, you know? And what happened to me in Atlanta was a little bit traumatic. It's interesting because I don't even tell people this a lot. But as much as I go back to Atlanta because my kids are there and my family's there, <clears throat> when I get off the plane in Atlanta, I automatically feel a little bit uneasy because Atlanta, I'm excuse my language, but Atlanta whooped my ass, you know? <laughs> I mean, I moved here with two suitcases, you know? I'm talking about 5,000 square foot house. I had a Range Rover and a Jaguar at the same damn time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I was tearing the malls up and living, I mean, I was, and you know what? I didn't think, when did I think it was gonna ever stop? Never, right? And I moved here literally with two suitcases. I didn't have a car, I didn't have a cell phone. I, I mean, when I tell you I lost everything, I lost everything but a couple bagfuls of clothes, you know, that I could carry with me up here. And a, a part of me, every time I touch down in Atlanta, I, I like, whew, I kind of like feel that moment again, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I open the salon, like DC is almost like a safe space. Here I don't, I get to escape from that whole life you know, I don't even think about that life. And when I opened the salon, I couldn't escape from it because now I'm starting to, you know, acquire some stuff again, you know. But now the material stuff don't really matter to me, but the actual business matters. And the business matters because I like the community. I like the people, you know. I'm providing jobs for people that work for me, you know. I want to see their families healthy and stuff. And I'm starting to feel that pressure of entrepreneurship again. And oh my God, I just refuse to fail. I just re- I absolutely positively refuse to fail. And I, at first I was mad at myself because I thought it was like a defeatist mentality. Like I felt like I was way too focused on not failing versus succeeding, you know? And then I was trying to figure out, is there really a difference, you know? And in an eerie kind of way, my why of not failing propelled me more of wanting to succeed. And I think that I look back at that one big quote where he says, there's nothing to fear but fear itself Mm -hmm. and how people are afraid of success. I think success is scary, you know? Because when you get it, I mean, the idea of like you had it all, but you lost it. And then you got to try to explain that to the world or anybody. It's a crazy feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really easy. And I, and I got this through Eric, uh, uh, E.T. You have to have your why. And my why is a little crazy, you know, because I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it now, but I've kind of like understood for me, it's a healthy why to to just not fail. And it kind of ties into my work. I don't care what I have to do, I will figure it out. And in my early days, I had a daily goal and I wouldn't go home until that daily goal was was done. And there was a couple of times 
that I was short to go, people would walk across my the uh, the street of my business, and I'd be like, "Hey, we're in new salon. Uh, if you want to get a haircut, you know, please come see us." And they'll be like, "Well, I can use a haircut. I mean, I literally would drag somebody in off the street and get a couple haircuts to make my goal in my first day." And now we're to the point where, and this is like right after, right? I mean, we just, the pandemic is not over yet. Okay. And man, they're beating down our door. We can't even take all the calls we're getting right now. So, you know, you just never know what's on the other side of that corner, you know? And, and I felt like if, if early on, if I would have shut them lights off and said, oh, well, that's all we made today. And I didn't keep on trying because I did not want to fail. Then I don't know if I would have made it to this spot. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that some people don't like, like I, I, I define that as grit, you know? And I think a lot of young people don't even know what grit is and what it looks like. And that's why I like to tell a story like that, because you're going to find yourself trying to be successful or not wanting to fail. And you're going to have to do things that you do not want to do things that you never wrote in your business plan, things that, you know, you got, you got to call an audible <laughs> so that you can make, you know, your dreams come true, you know? And I'm telling you, like, that kind of shifting and changing, you have to prepare yourself on the front end to be able to do that. But if you wait until, you know, like game time and you're trying to do that in the middle of the game and you've never practiced it, you've never conceptualized it, You've never thought about, you know, like what audibles you got in the tuck, like what play, what, let me speak English. You know, you don't know what plays you might want to call because you don't have any extra plays. Mm -hmm. You got to start creating the plays, you know, before you get into the middle of the game and you got to practice them a little bit so that you can do whatever it takes to be successful. And I guess just, sorry, Selena, um, going off of that, it sounds like there's, like you've learned a lot along your journey and kind of like shifted your perspective, but what has been, would you say the best piece of advice that you've been given? Wow. That's almost like asking me like to name my top five favorite rappers, you know, <laughs> because I mean, I've just had such a, a, a fortunate time, you know, doing what I do. I get to meet the most incredible people, you know, and being where I am, like, I mean, we're, we're in North Arlington. I mean, I got, I have, I have clients that's on Joe Biden's cabinet, you know, I mean, I have people who, who have like, I mean, I've had people who literally been out in space, sit in my chair to get a haircut in a casual way, but I've gotten to talk to some of the most incredible people in the world doing what I do. It's really interesting. So a lot of people have poured into me over the years. Mm -hmm. hmm. And you asking for the most. <laughs> One yeah. that resonates with you the most. It is a I hard know that is a hard question. It really is. Cause me and yeah. mine interviewed each other. And I, when she asked me that, and we asked this every week, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I would I would have to say that, and I think that like that's one of those questions that is uh, that might be personal to every person, mm -hmm. each and every individual. Yeah. Oh, man, 
I can't believe I can't believe I'm speechless. I talk constantly, and I can't believe I'm speechless. He did it. Um, I think the best advice that I've ever gotten, I, I probably have to talk about my father because um, there's probably nobody in this world that I admire more than my dad. And, and having said that, I mean, we've had so many great conversations and my dad would tell me all the time that the world is about people. You know, he said, if you ever want to figure out what the world is about, and sometimes he would ask me, Clint, you know what the world is about, you know? And I'd be like, shoot, you know, women? No, you know, money? No, no, no. He's like, no, it's about people, you know? It, it's really about people. He's like, the more people you touch, the better, the better your life will be in every way possible, you know? He taught me, like, real prosperity is helping others. And again that's one of those things that people will tell you but if you don't experience it so I'm a, okay I got a, I got a way I can tell it to you okay this is a real story too and the innocent or not so innocent shall remain nameless but I found myself having an understudy teaching them everything that I know how to do right with the intent for them to work for us to work together right and I mean, I spent months and hours pouring into this person, right? This person takes what I taught them and leave. They just had their own aspirations. And their aspirations was always to do their own thing. It was never to be, you know, like under anybody's umbrella. So it wasn't even personal. But obviously, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into this person. I took it personally, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I'm never teaching anybody else again. You know, because all they do after I teach them is take what I got to, to, to teach them and leave, right? And what I got from that was that my business still went on. I was still successful. And then later on, this person was successful too. And this person was giving me like my props. Like, yeah, Clint was the one who showed me everything I know, you know, like that's my guy. And and I was like, wow, it's really interesting because a lot of times we want to even exchange for, for what we put out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we like, we'll put out over here. But one thing I can tell you, if you put it out, the law of attraction, sowing and reaping, whatever you want to call it, it's a universal law. It works. If you put good things out, you will get good things back. And it doesn't matter if you don't get it back from that very thing that you put it into, it's going to come back to you uh, somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. And when my dad talks like that, it, it sounds like an old guy trying to tell me something and, and I really don't, but I was like, yo, pops knew what he was talking about. You know, yeah. he was, he, he was really on to something. And like now everything I do is about community. You know, everything I do is to, is, I don't, I try my best not to do anything for me. I try to do it for the people that I get the opportunity to service, the people that work for me. I try to provide a space that's different and eclectic. That's something interesting for the people who live in this community. I do it all for others. And I think whenever I have that approach, I have been wildly successful. 
I think that I've always noticed that when I start, well, I got to get mine. I'm taking mine first. I'm going to do me first. Man, it just never works. It just, it, it doesn't work out as well as when I'm focused on others. When I try to focus on myself a little too much, I don't know, something happens. It just doesn't work right. And I think my dad kind of pointing that out to me early was probably the best advice that I've ever got. Okay. I love it. That's good. I, um, I remember a long time ago, my mom told me, not that same thing, but similar uh, what you were saying, like, you're going to get it back regardless. Because I was doing something for some people and when I needed it back and she was like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about those people. You planted those seeds and they're, yeah. and they're watered and they're going to, is it harvest? Or they're going to grow. Yeah. So, um, and that is something I, I, I think about a lot. Um, even the bad seeds, though, because I've done bad things. Um, <laughs> so we, we're winding down. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, so we, um, the whole reason Iman and I started the show was because we wanted to define success for ourselves. And we wanted to talk to people who feel that they are successful. And um, how do you define it? What is it? After all you've been through, when you had two suitcases. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> believe it or not, me with the two suitcases was, was, was wealthier than the person who had all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> I was so humble. It was very interesting because... I didn't think I could do hair anymore because I thought like maybe I was that stylist that's like still trying to do jerry curls and jerry curls been out for like 25 years now. Like <laughs> I felt like people weren't rocking with my stuff no more or something, you know? Like you I was out there. Jordans in people's hair. Yes, exactly. Like don't nobody want a Jordan in their hair no more. You know? Yeah, so that's kind of how I felt. And I went so hard at being a stylist. It was really the only skill that I had. And moving here, I had to think about what I was going to do. And I actually filled out an application at the grocery store down the street from my, my, my parents' house here in Bowie. Like in Bowie. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it was so interesting because I filled out a, a, a job application as a receptionist at a salon. Mm -hmm. You know, like somebody that just answered the phones. Mm -hmm. Didn't think I could do hair anymore. I just thought that, you know, nobody was checking for what I had. So it must be, it must not be good. The woman reads my resume. And, and this is at the Red Door Spa, which was at the time, you know, a national company. They just recently closed during COVID, which kind of like really broke my heart and kind of scared me at the same time. Because I'm like, if they can't make it, wow, it's going to be hard for, <laughs> for little old me. But long story short, she, she wanted to interview me for a general manager position. And I go and I'm, I go and meet with her and she's like, you'd be perfect to manage this place. And then we got on the conversation. And this is like for their flagship location here in, uh, in, uh, in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And they had like almost 100 employees there. And I think they only wanted to pay like $55,000 $55, a year to manage all of those people. I'm like, yeah, no. yo, that's kind of crazy. I was like, 
I, I, you know, I made some money. I made that my first year doing hair. You know, like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And she said, well, you should do hair again. And I got out of there as fast as I could. But I did build up enough confidence to get a job as a manager at another song. And I went managing a place. And I'm managing this place. And I'm watching them do hair. And yo, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be funny, but it wasn't popping how I pop it. You know what I'm saying? It just, the curls went bouncing the way I make the curls bounce. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game. And because I had managed the people there, she wouldn't let me take a, a position down, like as a stylist after being the manager. So I went back to Red Door and I got my job there. But one thing that I have to say is the most valuable thing that I possess is what's here and what's here, you know? And those are some things that people, nobody could ever take that away from you. You know, the things that, the things that you have that are really valuable are, 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 are hardwired in and they belong to you. And I feel like that is, is such a, a, a whack answer, but like, like if I was trying to win the pageant, I just lost, you know, like, like, oh man, oh boy, down the street there trying to save the whales, like you done lost, you know, but it's the, it, I don't know a realer thing to say, like it's the truth, it really is. And I will tell you that I went to, I took a, a an executive business course without a degree, by the way, but I went to LSU during the summertime in an executive business course to take some classes because I needed to learn some things as, a, as an owner. And I took this futurist class, which was very interesting, by the way. And so what futurists do, they try to look down the road and they try to decide, you know, what they're going to do. And what they did was MIT was selling flights to the moon before they built the ship. And the, the ticket sales were going to fund the research and the development for the flight to the moon. So they, they raised all the money to build it. Now they at the point where, okay, now we got to build a commercial airline that can take people up to the moon. So where do you start with that? We talking about going to the moon. Well, that's what it feels like when people are trying to figure out how to be successful, you know? So if, you, if your question is how to be successful, what I recommend doing is closing your eyes. And there's a few questions that you got to ask yourself. And if you've never been successful before, then this is like in your imagination. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you how you get there. The first question you wanna ask is, when you're at that place that you're successful, who is there with you? Who are the people that are gonna be on your team that you know are gonna get there? Because again, we said this world is about people. So you gotta think about partnering. You gotta think about the alliances. Like I love watching you guys work together because together, you know, everybody achieves more, right? Yeah, so that's like that whole team thing. So you gotta look who you gotta align yourself with when you get that destination, okay? Another thing you gotta look at is reasons why you would fail and kind of list all of those things. And then you gotta list the things why you're gonna be successful. But here's the important one that nobody likes to talk about. You gotta be able to define the things that are gonna come up that seem important, but they are distractions and you need to ignore. 
it is important to identify the things that are like a time suck, an energy suck, emotional suck, things that are going to take up your time, effort, and energy, like a lot of it, but they have no value in into where you're going. So if I wanted to win the pageant, then that's my answer right there. You, but no, but for real though. You got my vote. You got my vote. Yeah. But you have to you have to identify the things that are gonna come up that are gonna take your attention, but they're not gonna add any value to where you're going. And you gotta cut those things. You gotta cut it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And it's something that I feel like I don't think about. I'm just like, oh, this seems fun. I want to do it. Yeah. But like, is it helping me get to that next level? Usually not. So I think yeah. that's just great advice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I just started thinking about that this year. And I was like, that's why my life was, has looked the way it's looked. Because I'll go with any old thing that seems fun in the moment. And, um, and I, I know that's not everybody's answer. But I'm just saying. Mine was like a time suck, <laughs> an energy suck is... Yeah. Um, partying and like what of course it's fun but what value does it bring um well i mean if you puff daddy it brings a lot of value yeah but know? i ain't puff daddy at all <laughs> oh that's love that's that's love comes to you yes <laughs> but, 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 but i know right that dude is a trip but my point is is that he's showing people though if you're passionate about it we live in america you can monetize anything you know mm -hmm. i i, I firm believer, you should monetize the things that you're passionate about. We live, we live in a capitalistic society. So find that thing you love to do and figure out how to monetize it, you know? Yeah. That way you can do it. You know, you can tear the club up. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm getting too old for it, but I get what you're saying. I'm just being funny. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I asked my brother, I was like, can I be a party promoter? He was like, yeah. I was like, I'm too old to be somebody's party promoter. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, that is a good point. And I, I love that. That's a um I didn't I, I I didn't mean to devalue it or bring it down by saying that. I was just giving an example, but that time suck and that energy suck is really it is. That's a huge mm -hmm. takeaway. Um yeah. huge. Um well we are at that I told you an hour, so I don't want to take <laughs> yeah, we're right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope, yeah, I hope, I hope, I mean, I, again, I'm a person who has a whole lot to say. So I hope that um, that I, that what I said was valuable and it helps. And I hope that it, it reminds me of a book that I read, which is one of my favorites. It's called the uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. Mm -hmm. Have either one of y'all ever read that? I've heard of it. I haven't like, yeah, read it though. The whole premise is like what your show is about. It's about this guy who, you know, is in a is 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 in the richest city in the world, and he mm -hmm. finds himself broke, and he's like okay, I'm going to start asking all the rich people how they got rich. And he became the richest man in Babylon. So mm -hmm. you guys are on Can I ask one real quick thing? It's not, no, like it's a quick, quick, quick question. Um, you said you didn't care for ET that much. No offense to ET, sorry, everybody. Um, but you, who do you like? Who do you, rec like, who do you think is good to listen to? Okay, so, um, I said I did not get a lot from E.T. Yes, and I'm sorry. And, and if I said I didn't care for him, let you me clarify. That. that was me. Because I think E.T. E. is amazing. Like he doesn't show you the how. That's what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I apologize. So I read, I read, um, I read um, Kobe Bryant's book, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's the Mamba mentality thing. Okay. Yo, 
Oh my God. Kobe, Kobe talks about how his dad was a basketball player. So when he's a, a kid, he has him in all the elite exclusive basketball camps where the best kids in the world are playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And this is before he grew into his body. He's this little skinny kid and he don't have no skills. And he said he remembered going in the game and at the end of the game, everybody looking at his stats, he had, he was in the game. The only stat he had was playing time. He didn't have no passes, no rebounds, no assists, no nothing. And he said he went home and he cried because he realized he was like the worst player in the league. And Kobe Bryant said that, he said, well, I'm giving myself three years to be the best player in the league. And so he broke it down to math. So what do I have to do? And he said, well, these kids are practicing three times a week. And three times a week, they practice in about two hours a, a, a time. So he said, I'm going to practice every day. And if they practice in two hours, I'm going to practice at least four. And I'm going to try to practice five hours. And then, you know, if you add up their practices and you add up my practices in three years, I'll be better than all of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, by year two, you know, the first thing he did, and then he broke it down. He said, the first thing I did was got close to the basket and just shot layups real close to the basket. Then the next thing I did was I developed a mid-range shot. And then the next thing I did was I started shooting a three-pointer. And that would be that, like he said, until, and I wouldn't move to the next one until I had a certain level of mastery at the close range, the mid-range, and then the three ball. Because he said that he recognized to be an all-around good player. You got to be able to shoot from all the different spots on the, on the court. And he said by year two, he started to grow into his body. And by year two, he had, he had already surpassed his goal. And that's what I mean by telling me, like, step by step, you know? Like, he, like, told me how he woke up in the morning, what he practiced, and and that kind of thing. And, like, E.T. would tell you, um, conversely, like, if I had to compare it to, like, how E.T. Do, does it, E.T. would tell you, like, like, man, you got the same 24 hours in the day that Beyonce got, you know? So what you going to do with your 24 hours? I don't know how to translate that always, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, podcast, he goes in more detail. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, this yeah, like, yeah. thing. And, yeah. then, and then, like, some of his things, like, um, and I, I mean, I get it. Like, he caters, like, his audience, you know, is corporate-based, is education-based, mm-hmm. is sports-based. Mm-hmm. and I'm a creative so I think that that's another part where we kind of disconnect because he talks about you know being a dropout and going to you know now he's got his doctorate you know mm-hmm. man I mean like if your goal is to be successful financial and with your family and all of those kinds of things I mean I don't need to go to college to do that that's like wasting my time you know what I'm saying and, and not that going to college is a bad thing. It's just there's more than one way to kind of, you know, do it. And I kind of like the people who, who kind of speak to that, um, to the more non-conventional routes, you know. Yeah. But I understand that, that he builds that market because those are the ones who pay him the big bucks to come, you know, do the big sessions and meetings and stuff like that. Right. And to take specifics out of it, for sure. And I've said this before, uh, 
I, I was I was a huge like self-help genre reader, like those were my books. And then I got frustrated and I felt like they were irresponsible. So um, because of like kind of what you're saying, there were no real tangible things for me. There wasn't, I just kept reading these books and my life was the same. So I was like, this is dumb. But um, what I did, I started reading like more memoirs and autobiography. Yeah, that's, and that's when I got the shift because right. and them not even trying to tell me what to do just hearing what they did even yeah. with um i read shoe dog by uh the ceo or the or the creator of nike right, right. around the time iman started our show and i was telling her like we, we thought our meetings were long he would have three four five day long meetings about the title his shoes were called tigers at first now they call we know they yeah, call I remember that. Yeah, but yeah. he had a whole I mean, days, days long meetings. And this was not the only, every time they had something new and it was just like, dang, me and Iman not tripping. Our meetings are not too long. Actually, our meetings might be short, like compared to what he was doing. So those for me, even Mm -hmm. when I was like, when I wanted to act and all that, I was reading a lot of actor autobiographies and memoirs and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that, uh, using autobiography and more, right? But anyway, reading, they'll go into that section of the library versus the self-help. For me, that's when I felt a shift in things that I could really, um, that were applicable to my life and practices that I could implement that I thought were a lot more useful. So that's, um, and that's for that's for the sake of our conversation and for listeners. Like if, if you read all these self-help books and you don't see a change, maybe you should change what you're reading and then maybe help mm-hmm. but i'm not saying that stuff doesn't help some people mm-hmm. it just wasn't helping me it helped a little bit but not as much as the autobiographies yeah yeah, well, I, yeah. and i'm telling you i think it's really you know the real thing is you know what's going to put a pen and a piece of paper in your hand and make you start writing out what it is you want to do what's going to make you jump out the bed before your alarm clock goes on and start knocking out what you got to do to make that thing happen, you know? And I think everybody, you know, it's good that that there are so many different things to pull from because we're all wired differently, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I, I think that what might not be the best for me might be perfect for someone mm-hmm. else. So I, I definitely want to say that. And, but and I know for me, go ahead, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, like I said, it's so powerful when you learn how, how you learn. And I'm a, I'm I'm a tactile learner, see, feel, touch, you know, Mm -hmm. I need to experience. So Mm -hmm. the minute that I get my hands in something, that's when I'm actually learning. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't get to tell you like the biggest advice that I consistently give out. Mm -hmm. The biggest advice that I consistently give out is for for the tactile learners out there is start where you are, Mm -hmm. start where you are. Most people are like, well, I'm going to wait till I get this. And, oh, once I get that, and once I set this up like this, oh, then it's going to be dope. And then guess what? This and that never happens. And then that person never starts, you know? Or, or, or they'd be like, you know, once I get that, that Willy Wonka chocolate factory machine that costs $32,000, whatever it is, then I'm going to get like, man, start where you are, you know? And you'll be surprised at, at how, how fast, you know, you can really grow a thing. And I think that, um, you know, like you got to learn how to flip, you know, like if you got a quarter, shoot, buy just a quarter's worth and then sell it. Now you got 50 cent. Don't spend it. Reinvest that 50 cent. And then that 50 cent turn into a dollar. Reinvest that dollar. And then that dollar turn into $2. You know what? Keep 50 cent for yourself. 
save another 50 cent and put the other 50 cent back to work until you build it back up again. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I think that sometimes people need real practical, actual things that they can use mm-hmm. to, uh, to actually get them moving. And once you in it, then you in it. You know, I know like some people, I've seen this happen before, like, like somebody will get that business card printed up and now they like got a, a tangible physical thing. Now they got to be what they said they are on the card mm-hmm. and that's what gets them moving. So whatever you got to do, just start where you are. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't be waiting for this thing and that thing. Yeah. I mean, first business, I remember, uh, I remember my first day having customers. Hell, I set everything up. I didn't even have a point of sale system set up. So that that's the one thing you want to make sure you do first is make sure you can take the money when it starts coming in, you know? Important. <laughs> <laughs> important. Yeah. yeah, but my first business, I started so fast, I couldn't even take the money when it was coming in. <laughs> oh, money. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I could go on and on. Real, what you said about the business card, I changed my LinkedIn. Uh, when I changed my LinkedIn uh, uh, title, Mm-hmm. It it made me work. I'm like, oh, I really do this now. So yeah, yeah, that's well, I mean. was, yeah, yeah. Change all LinkedIn, but I was, but I had my certifications and stuff, y'all. I didn't just like, like, say, I didn't just. You're like Doctor Selena. When that happened? Yeah, that's fraud. <laughs> so not fraud, but like stuff I could really back up. But I might have been too scared, or I thought I wasn't ready, or I didn't have enough experience. Mm-hmm. No, I put it on there. I said, mm-hmm, this go time. Well, that's when the world was ending too. So I had a little nudge. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I think what you said is really important. And it, I, it, I, I did that and it did help. Yeah. 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 All right. I could ramble and go on and let me ask you questions all day, but we are going to close out. Anybody have anything else? No, I feel like it's been a really good conversation and like really insightful. So you got my wills turning yeah so i love it well, well uh, let's keep in touch because um i would i would love to continue to watch you guys and see what you guys are doing and uh and i hope that something i said is useful and and if it is let me know let me know how you put it to work so so i can i can grow with you that'd be great yeah love for it. sure for sure and i i'm so glad you were willing to do this and like Mm-hmm. excited and came on and shared with us and i'm really appreciative yeah my pleasure definitely so we're gonna do our outro um so thank you clinton for sharing your time with us and inspiring our listeners to redefine success for themselves and of course thank you listeners for tuning in um make sure you like subscribe share this episode We really appreciate your feedback. We want to hear from you. You can subscribe at U Plus Happy on Instagram and on YouTube. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And we ask our guests to say our tagline. It's long. Ready? Ready? Yeah. We'll show you our definition of success if you show us yours. Okay. We'll show you our definition of success if you show us yours. Hey, you did that. <laughs> I love the confidence. He's like, He's like okay, I got okay. this. <laughs> no problem. Nah, first take. Look, one take. Uh, one take. One take. <laughs> That's a wrap, y'all.
That's a wrap. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. You so much. My pleasure. Nice meeting you. Very nice to meet you. Yes. And maybe maybe we'll come visit you in Australia. Yes, That's please. Right. Please. Yes. Oh, my traveling awesome. thing. <laughs> yes. Uh,